And a warm-hearted good morning. Welcome to our Brunpen Studios where we uh, look at relevant issues that affect our Christian world on a daily basis. The topic for discussion this morning all about generational curses. That after a recent article in Joy Digital Magazine written by Kurt Landry that states the following, and I'd like to quote him. He says, in over 25 years of pastoring, the most frequently observed issue plaguing believers to this very day is that of generational curses. Habitual sin and familiar spirits in family lines are the telltale signs. Then he says Jesus came to reverse the curse. He came so that you and I can have life and life in abundance. Of course, talking about John 10.10. He then continues to identify 10 generational curses. I'd like to mention some of them. Uh, A lack of passion for spiritual things. Battling excessive frustration. Doubting God's goodness and faithfulness. Battling torment and missing out on the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Question your calling and your direction that was once discernible. To be lured into areas of previous bondage. To be tempted to quit a personal assignment and so on and so forth. These are all telltale signs, he says, that generational curses are resting upon you. Breaking free and claiming the right to your freedom starts with understanding your identity. The generational curse is after your identity, he says. It wants you to doubt who you are in Yeshua. It wants to confuse your purpose and your calling, luring you back into the bondages of old habits and patterns. However, when you identify these curses, cancel and come out of agreement with it, proclaiming God's truth over your identity, he says, then you are positioned to walk in victory. Well, join us as we at Brunpent investigates the notion of generational curses and how to make sense of our struggles and our daily brokenness. We'll be back with our respondents right after this. Well, all the way from Somerset West down in the beautiful Cape Town, got Pastor Bruce Jackman on line. Bruce, good day to you. Thank you for your willingness to chat to us. Just in a nutshell, your background and your involvement with the body of Christ on earth? I've been involved with the Body of Christ since I was 33, which is over 30 years ago, and I have been very, very privileged to have been in business for many years, both locally and internationally. I felt the calling to serve God full-time in the pulpit ministry, and uh, in that time visited the United States, and then came back to Somerset West to found the church and uh, to grow it, handed over to the next generation, and currently I'm the CEO of Eagles Rising Leadership Academy, which is an academy to try and help disadvantage uh, students cross the bridge between their schooling and university. Bruce, in a nutshell, in your understanding, and according to the scriptures, generational curses, do you believe it's scriptural, Old Testament, New Testament? I think the starting point is there's an experience that people have that causes them to not have full answers. And so because of that, I've had to examine the scriptures, and I've had to say there is definitely something of a generational curse dream 
that some people experience, yes. It's a recent article by Kurt Landry on Joy Digital magazine where he states that in the 25 years of pastoring, the most frequent observed issues plaguing believers to this day is that of generational curses. He called it habitual sin and familiar spirits in family lines that are the telltale signs. Do you agree with that statement or not? I think, again, it's one of those things that we see and we have to deal with. Can I give you a personal example? That I have a sister who was born out of wedlock. She gave birth to a child who was born out of wedlock. I have a daughter who gave birth to a child out of wedlock. And I'm a pastor. They were all saved. They were all fully engaged with God. And so there was something that was going on which had not yet been covered fully by everything that we believe about the cross. I believe that Jesus did everything that was required on the cross for the fullness of salvation and to break into the liberty and the fullness of liberty of life that he gives us. Yet there seems to be the strain that unless it's dealt with from a generational point of view, recognizing something is influencing which should not be influencing and dealing with that, that we do experience what your writer has yeah. explained. He says if these generational curses are not cancelled, there's uh, unnecessary spiritual warfare, such as financial attacks, physical attacks, relationship issues, abuse, divorce, business breakups, church splits, and many others. That's what he ascribes it to. What is your understanding? Do you agree with him? Because these things that he's mentioning are real. It's happening to people. We see it on a daily basis. Can we ascribe this to generational curses or not? I understand that this is a deep theological question that has been bantered about for ages and studied. And I understand that it can also be divisive. So I'm not intending to be divisive at all. But there's a reality that we are seeing which is showing these things continue despite a person's genuine salvation. So there definitely seems to me to be something that comes down and continues to influence. I have had personal contact with many different people, many of whom were set free. One of the things is pornography seems to come down generationally because a young girl would say to me, I need help. And then I'll try and trace what is going on. And it can see there was something in her past and in the family's past and in other parts. So the experience is that there definitely is something that is going on. Talking about the reality of these issues, you've mentioned pornography as an example of one. What do we say to people, generational curses or not? How can one be set free from these things? If the Bible says in Christ we are a new creation, what would your advice be to people who struggle with these real-life issues in closing? One of the things that we understand is that there are a few challenges. One is people can resort to a question such as, the person wasn't genuinely saved. We don't know whether they were or not. The fact is that there's an issue that seems to plague a person. Uh, and so, firstly, I ensure that they are fully saved, that they understand what happened. It wasn't an emotional decision to put up a hand when they were feeling bad about themselves. Then helping them understand that they have a thought pattern that continues to reflect on these other ways of thinking and help them be understand, be transformed by the union of your mind 
getting God's word into them so that they're able to make choices that break free. Pastor Bruce Jackman, all the way from Somerset West, we apologize for the quality of the line. Is in a spot that is not particularly well known for the cell phone quality. Bruce, nevertheless, bless your heart and thank you so much for chatting to us here at Brampen. Bekende Heinz Winkler, a gospel artist here in South Africa, te nooi om sy hart met ons te deel. Heinz, goeiedag, baie welkom by Brampen. So in een nete dop, ek verstaan, dier het jou ook gelei om een kerk onlangs te begin, maar ek wil by jou weet, wat is jou ervaring oor generatievloeke? Stem jy saam met daarmee, is dit bybels, is dit onbybels, of is dit net iets wat gelovig is nie mooi verstaan nie? Wat is jou belevenis? Hallo, baie dankie vir die geleentheid. Uh, ons het einde laas jaar ons Love Key Church geplant en het gaan goed en sterk en ons gaan nie dit vreselik om in die bediening te staan. En ja, dit is een kwestie wat, wat opkom en mense praat oor. Ek het al verskillende opinies gehoor. My, my ervaring, as ek dit kombineer met wat ek in die woord lees en my eie uh, reis van geneesing van my van my verlede en my, uh, die proces van uh, nietwording in Christus, sal ek sê dat die, die eerste belangrike punt wat ons moet altyd voor oor hou, is die, die werk wat Jesus aan die kruis gedoen het en wat klaargemaak is, dat ons kan weet, die, die, toe hy gesê dit is volbring, toe kan ons weet dit is volbring in hom. Maar, wat ons ook moet besef is dat, terwijl hy die die kurs kom wees het vir ons, het, kan ons net toegang krijgen tot die vrijheid in hom, as ons in een verhouding met hom tree. En dit is niet iets wat gebeur, net omdat ons groot word in een christen kultuur, of het christen ouders nie. Elkeen van ons moet uh, op die ouderdom, wat, wat ons begin besef hoe die goeders werk, moet ons besluit neem vir of teen Jesus. En dan, as ons daar van kies, dan uh, kan ons toegang kry tot die, die vrijmaking. en vir my was het, toe ek 16 was, het ek my hart vir die heren gegeet, toe ek daadwerkelijk ontmoeting gehad het met die vader, en gevoel het die vader my omhels, en sê ek is lief vir jou, my sien, en, en daar het my leven hand omkeer begin verander, maar ek het besef, dat die is goed in my leven, die is gewoonte sondes, daar is dinge wat ek hier lekker verstaan nie, wat oor en oor en oor, um, uh, wat ek terugval in, in sonde, en, yeah. en dit was vir my baie frustrerend, en ek het, eerst later in my leven, het ek uh, in het discipleskap verhouding, met een pastoor ingetree, wat die heren my pad gebring het, en, en hy het vir my begin, wat vertel, wees uit die woord van God, wat is die waarheid, oor my identiteit in Christus, en my ervaring was dat, alhoewel daar sekere goed kan wees, wat van ons voorouders af, oorgedra word aan ons, is die, die, die gezonde positie is om uit die positie van die autoriteit wat ek het in Christus die ding te benader, eerder as die um, amper, ek het reeds verloor, <laughs> en ek sit, ach, ek sit met de achterstand, uh, om dan na hierdie goeders te kyk en te sê, oké, okay, my ouders het al sekere goed gedoen, en my voorouders het al sekere goeders gedoen, wat de inpak op my het, en wat, wat ek gesien het gebeur het, is dat ek Ek moet uit die waarheid van wie ek is in Christus, en die identiteit wat Jesus oor my spreek, met Ephesians 1, uh, 1 Petrus 2, 
uh, die krachtige skrifte wat vir ons sê by ons is in Christus, moet ek begin, dit is die waarheid van wie ek nou is. Ek is een burger van die hemel, ek is meer as een oorwinnaar in Christus, ek is een seen van God, een vriend van God. Hierdie goeders is wat waar is, die ander goeders wat in my verlede gebeur het, is oorkombaar in Christus. En wat ons begin doen het, is ons het begin sê, ok, daar is sekere patrone in my leven, dit kan kom van dit af, kom ons sê, dit is toch so, maar ek, ek en ek was daak in ooreenkomst met het, maar nou sê ek in die naam van Jesus, val ek uit ooreenkomst uit yeah. met daai goeders. Yeah. En dit is waar die, waar die deurbrake vir my begin kom, en ek het ook gesien in mensense levens, um, die kracht van, ek, ek weet nie precies waar die, of die term generational curse in die bybel voorkom nie, ek weet nie daarvan nie, ek weet wel, God het gesê vir sy volk, die wat my haat, sal ek straf tot in die derde geslag, en die wat my lief het, sal ek sien tot in die duizendste geslag. En ek dink, daar is die, is die sleetel, is ons werkelijk lief vir God, en as ons lief is vir hom, dan sê hy, as jy lief is vir my, sal jy doen wat ek sê, ja. Johannes 14 vers 15, so as ons doen wat hy sê, dan sal ons sy geboeie nakom, en dan sal hy in die kracht lewe van wat hy vir ons tot beskikking stel. En my, my vrijmakingsjourney het begin meer in die weet wie ek is in Christus, ja. en uit daai plek van autoriteit, dan sê, ok, ek, daar is sekere goed, wat daak saam in, in, die, in die bloedlijn gekom het, maar ek val uit door eenkomst uit met daai goeders, en daarom kan ek in die waarheid leer van wie ek rechtig is. Die hierdie man, wat die artikel geskryf het in Joy Digital, met die naam van Kurt Landry, sê, die financiële chaos wat in mensese levens heers, die, die aanvallen, die verhoudings uh, probleme wat hulle het, uh, echtscheidings, besighede wat mm. ondergaan, kerke wat opbreek, het alles te doen met uh, generatievloeke. Nou, hierdie goed is een realiteit, ons kan het nie ontken nie, dit gebeur elke dag. Wat sê ons dan vir mense wat luister, is het bloot net aanvallen bose machte, Ephesia 6, of is dit wel dan generatievloeke goed wat dier die generaties kom, of hoe help ons medegelovig is om hierdie ding te verstaan? Ek, ek hoor wat jy sê, met, jy het nie gefokus op generatievloeke nie, jy het gefokus op jou identiteit in Christus, en van daaraf het jy gebouw. Maar wat sê ons vir, vir gelovig is wat hierdie goed ervaar, hoe moet hulle dit verstaan? So ter afsluiting, wat sê jy laatste woorde wees dan? Ek sê, sê, ek sê nie die goed bestaan nie, ek sê net ons moet, ons moet weet dat Mens kan na extreem toe gaan op enige van die onderwerpen en enige vorm van extreem het die gevaar dat dit rake afgoed of het rake ding wat vir ons belangriker is as, as die waarheid. Ek dink mens moet naar die heilige geest toe gaan en vir my vraag, ok, wat is die goed uit my verlede wat, wat belangrijk is vir my om van te weet, zodat so ik het kan identificeren en zodat so ik ek uit ooreenkomst kan uitval waarmee en in autoriteit van Jesus kan staan. Die, die eerste punt weer eens is, is ek een wedergebore christen. So, as mense sien, daar is patroone in hulle leven, wat nie gebreek word nie, dan is dit stap 1. Wees baie eerlijk en rechtheid, is ek een wedergebore christen van God, volgens die woord van God. Ek glo, dat een van die goed wat uh, vast, wat die mens daar kan sit onder die kategorie van uh, generatie vloek, is die, is die concept van culturele christenskap. Mense wat glo, hulle is christene, want hulle het in een christenhuis of een christen type kultuur groot geword, maar dit is nie gepaard gaande met die kracht van die heilige geest en verwinning van Jesus Christus. En ek dink baie traditionele kerkomgevings is dit. Ek het in, ek het in het groot geword, ek het in my eie oog beleef en gesien, 
uh, en ek het besef op 16 dat net om met die kerk te gaan, en my ouders was christen, en beteken nie ek is een christen, en beteken nie ek kan in die vrijheid stap van wat hy aan die kruis gedoen het nie. Ja. So dit stap 1, is ek rarig wedergebore. Dan is ek, is ek gedoop met water, is ek gedoop met die heilige geest. Waarvan die goed wat ek geloof ons terughoud, is omdat ons nie gehoorzaam is aan die basisse goed van wat die woord van ons sê om te doen na ons die verkeering gekom het. En een van hulle is doping met water. En as ons dit gedoen het en, en ons ontvang die kracht van die heilige geest, dan kan ek jou beloof, een klomp van die nonsens gaan klaar ophou. Yeah. En dan is die, is die volgende stap is om deel te wees van een plaaslike kerk. En die plaaslike kerk is die plek vir ons die, die hulp krij, die leiding krij, die, die, en als een geestelike covering wat kom saam met die plaaslike kerk, wat ook een klomp van die goeders uitsorteer. Die derde ding is, as jy in die hevelik intree op Godse manier, as jy dinge doen volgens Godse wil, dan beloof ek jou, jy gaan een klomp van die goed sien wegval. Die, die type geestelike beskerming wat ek beleef, het hier deel, deel te wees van een plaaslike kerk, wat een levengevende kerk is, en, en, en die huwelik in te tree op Godse manier, is huge. Daar, daar is soveel beskerming en, en, en vryheid gekom, saam met net hier goed Godse manier te doen. So ek beloof, meeste mense gaan meeste van hun nonsens uitsorteer, as hulle net gehoorzaam is aan Godse woord. En dan is daar bykomend die, die hele proces van heilig maken. Weet, uh, Romeine 12 sê vir ons, Paulus sê vir ons, vir die gelovig is, maak jezelf een levende offer voor God, en dan moet nie soos die wereld wees nie. Do not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So jou, ons moet ons, die manier wat ons dink, moet ons verander van hoe ons, hoe dit is, na wat God wil het moet wees. En ons kan dit net doen, as ons in die woord van God tijdspandeer. Die ander probleem wat hierdie goeders baie teweeg bring is, een combinatie van, ja die Bijbel is die woord van God, maar mensens opinies is net so belangrijk soos die woord van God. Baie traditionele kerke die benadering dat die, die geestelike leiders van die kerkse opinie is net so belangrijk of belangriker as die woord van God. En ek denk baie probleme kom daar in. Ons moet die woord van God die, die, die hoof uh, belangrike ding in ons leven maak onder leiding van die heilige geest. Dan gaan ons begin sien wat die goed rarig woord is. En as ons in hierdie proces begin met heiligmaking en met christelike council stap, waar mense vir ons begin wees, wat is die leens wat ons glo, en wat is die waarheid waarmee dit kan vervang word, dan begin ons die goeders rarig aanspreek. Ons moet pas op om te denk dat uh, iets soos een focus op generational curse gaan alles probleme oplos. Um, dit is een tool wat ons van bewust kan wees in ons toolkit wat Jesus vir ons geeft. Yeah. Maar het is nie die mijn ding nie. Ek kan nie denk dat mens een uh, ding soos die die, al die skuld wil gee, of al die oorzake daarop op plaas nie. Ek dink, dit begin by die goed wat ek nou genoem het, en daar is een van die goed wat ja. ons moet aanspreek, ja, dis hoe ek het ervaar, ja. So sê Heinz Winkler, ook in die hoofd dan van die gemeente in Somerset West. Heinz, baie dankie, dat jy jou hart ook met ons gedeel het. Goeie plezier, dankie vir julle, baie sien. Pastor Matt Fulhoun, certainly needs no introduction on this radio station. Matt, thank you so much for your time. On the topic of generational curses, let's start in the beginning. In your understanding, is generational curses scriptural in the Old or the New Testament? What is your understanding of it? Renan, the phrase itself, you will not find either in Old or New Testament, but it is understandable where the phrase comes from. It is deducted from scriptures like Exodus 20 verse 5, also Numbers 14 verse 18, Deuteronomy 9 verse 5, Exodus 34 verse 6, all those um, uh, 
references for that I mentioned, all of them give you an indication of of some or other curse that you will find based on sin. Right. Now, talking about generational curses, I'm making reference to an article written by Kurt Landry, Joy Digital Magazine. And it says there, habitual sin and familiar spirits in family lines are telltale signs that there is generational curses. But what are we to say to this statement of, of Kurt Landry? Well, Vainant, the mention he makes of the generational curses, again, is not based on particular scripture that is properly interpreted. And that is the challenge. If you don't take particular scripture that deals with a particular phrase and you interpret it in a proper way, then you make this kind of deduction, but you cannot defend your proclamation or your statement. You cannot defend it from scripture because you are not dealing with particular scripture regarding this. Now, Matt, when it comes to generational curses, uh, he's talking about uh, passing it down from parents to children, resulting in in many to operate uh, in a lack, a financial lack, bondage, doubt, confusion, temptation. Now, these things are real. We see people with financial lack. We see people in bondage, doubt, confusion, and temptation. To what do we ascribe that then? If it's not generational curses, is it just simple sin? Is it, what would we ascribe it to if we look at God's Word? The phrase generational curse indicates that something is passed from father to child. What it is passed on is the example and the the results of sin. That is what is passed on. But again, let's go back to Scripture. Ezekiel takes it and explains it in a whole chapter in Ezekiel 18. The whole chapter explains this whole principle that the, the child will never pay for the sins of the father, and the child is not in bondage because of the sins of the father. For instance, Ezekiel 18 verse 4, he says, All souls are mine, the souls, that is the Lord now speaking through Ezekiel, the souls of the father as well as the souls of the son is mine, the soul whose sins will die. And then in verse 20 of Ezekiel 18, he says, the person whose sins will die, the son will not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity, nor will the father bear the punishment for the son's iniquity. The righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. So that's very, very clear. And just to um, even state it further, the next two verses, Ezekiel 18, 21 and 22 says, if the wicked man turns from all his sins, which he has committed and observe all my statutes and practices, then he shall not die. So we see here that all the Lord expects of someone is to get rid of his iniquity and his sin. And then there is no such thing as a curse that will come down through generation to generation. So the clear answer to your question then is uh, a child sees the example, hears the example of the parent. He follows it because it is easy to follow sin. And the, the, the converse of that, the other side, it is difficult to live a righteous life. Yeah. So that is that is why you see it from generation to generation. You can take simple um, examples like, for instance, uh, the, the misuse of a- alcohol. Um, it is easily passed over through example and circumstance from a parent to a child. Now, the word out in the marketplace is unless these generational curses aren't cancelled. 
then there's unnecessary spiritual warfare. And I want to take you to Ephesians 6 that talks about spiritual warfare. It says it's not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities. And he ascribes this spiritual warfare, uh, financial attacks, physical attacks, relationship issues, abuse, divorce, business. Is it because of the spiritual attacks that Ephesians refer to? Or how can we walk away from these real-life issues in our lives? How do we get rid of it then? You say it's not generational curses. Is it then the attack of the, the spiritual world? Reynard, we have to start at the beginning of, of the reference you made to what was written down, um, which where you said the generational curses aren't cancelled. If they are not cancelled, there is unnecessary spiritual warfare. Well, they have been cancelled through the work of Christ only for those that are in Christ. And there is the answer. This whole issue takes you back to the gospel. So they have been canceled. It has been dealt with. What a person has to do now is identify his sin, such as financial, the love for finances or bad relationships or divorce, which is sin or business breaks up, which is based on sin or church splits, which is based on sin. So the, the common word here with all these issues is sin. The Bible tells us what sin is and what is not sin, and it tells us how to deal with it. You identify it, you repent of it, you repair those relationships, and the spiritual warfare that you reference in Ephesians 6, that is Ephesians 6 verse 10 to 18, and you'll see in verse 18 it includes prayer. Um, What the Lord there tells us to do is to stand, not to fight. So once you do what the Bible says you need to do, then this fight is a Christian fight. And we know, based on what Ephesians teaches us from chapter 1, you you cannot jump to Ephesians 6 without going back to chapter 1 to 5, is exactly how we deal with this. And we deal with it in Christ, in obedience. And it is definitely not a bondage or a curse that rests on us. All right. If I may say it, according to what you're saying, quoting Scripture, you're against um, generational curses. You don't agree with it. However, Kurt Landry, and I state him once again, says that generational curses wants to confuse your purpose and your calling, luring you back into bondage of old habits. If you are a new creature in Christ, then is it possible to fall back into old habits and old patterns? What is your comments? It's definitely possible to fall back into old habits, old habits and patterns. But you have to again go back to Scripture. Second Corinthians 5 verse 17 tells us that the old has gone, the new has come. That refers to regeneration. And then we also understand, based on Romans 8 verse 1, that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And we also understand, according to Ephesians 1 verse 13 and 14, that a reborn person has the Holy Spirit that has sealed him for the day of promise. And we also understand, according to Ecclesiastes um, chapter 12, that uh, what we need to do is understand that in this life our purpose is to bring honor to God. That is the whole purpose. So we do have a life purpose. It is very clear to us what the life purpose is, and that is to honor God. And and he says it in this way um, um, in in the, the book of Ecclesiastes. The conclusion of all is fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. So it is definitely not rocket science. It's not difficult in any degree. 
what our purpose in life is. Our purpose is to fear God and keep his commandments. And we find all that information in the Bible. And it is it is easy to know where to find. Just again, let's go back to the book of Ephesians. If you go and read Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, you will know exactly what your purpose in life is and what you need to do. This is not something that needs to be confused or that we have to search for. Matt, in closing, Kurt Landry ends his article by saying, Proclaim God's truth over your own identity. You are positioned to walk in victory. And if you don't, well, these curses will follow you. You have to cancel them. Your final thoughts on this and this final statement that is made, surely that brings a lot of confusion to Christians all over the world, doesn't it? Let's go back to the word proclaim that you've used. We only proclaim one thing, and that's the gospel. And Christ has proclaimed victory. We don't have to. And you know what? The other thing, Vainant, it's not about about our, our identity in the world. It is about God's identity. This is the kingdom that he is building through obedient people, through the born-again people. So we go about positioning not our walk in victory, but positioning our relationship in Christ because he already has the victory. He has already proclaimed it. Uh, just uh, consider the John chapter 19, I think it is verse 20, around about there, where Christ on the cross said, it is finished. It's verse 30, John 19, verse 30. It is finished. What is finished? The whole power play by Satan is finished for those that are in Christ because in Christ we can stand against this. So the focus is never us. The focus is Christ. The focus is God's kingdom. It's not about, about our identity individually. It's about our identity in Christ. And we walk in him in victory. And again, I can refer you back to Ephesians chapter 4 and 5 that uses the word walk in him and how we should walk. So in your understanding, should the topic generational curses crop up in any conversation, your answer immediately would be in a nutshell? Yes, it must crop up because the Bible teaches that kind of principle, but the Bible, most of all, it teaches it teaches us the gospel. It proclaims the gospel, and in the gospel, we are not bound in anything or by anything. So the 10 points there on how to identify your, the generational curses, they're all defunct. Not, not one of them uh, stands the test of Scripture, not a single one of those 10 points. With that, uh, sincere thanks to our respondent, uh, Pastor Matt Fulyun, also co-presenter on a Tuesday morning with the program called Scriptural. Matt, bless your heart. Thank you so much for uh, taking part in Brantman this morning. It was an honor, Reynard. Thank you. Well, with that, we have come to the end of yet another edition of Brandpunt. Please take note that the topic for discussion and the comments made by our respondents are not necessarily that of Radio Pulpit or the announcer on duty, but put there for you, our listener, to make an informed decision. Till next time, keep well, God bless you, and shalom.